the deep state and the communists, or do I repeat myself, they're hard at work in Latin America, and you see it clearly in Brazil and beyond. Stay tuned and I'll tell you more. Welcome, everybody, to Behind the Deep State. I'm your host, Alex Newman, Senior Editor at The New American Magazine. Uh, we have a very special guest with us in studio. I don't normally have guests on Behind the Deep State, but I couldn't resist. I'm in Appleton. I'm at The New American Magazine headquarters, and I had the opportunity to bring on Executive Senior Editor Steve Bonta. Steve, thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's uh, great to have you. Uh, so you uh, recently wrote an article about Latin America. You've been following developments there pretty closely. Um you know, we at The New American, I think we've been unique. We were the first American publication that I know of to really sound the alarm about the Sao Paulo Forum, is what it's called in English and Portuguese, uh, the Foro de Sao Paulo, in Spanish, el, el Foro de San Pablo. Um, talk a little bit about it. What is the Sao Paulo Forum, and uh, what role are they playing in what's happening in Brazil and the broader region? Okay, well, the Sao Paulo Forum, Foro de Sao Paulo, is um, probably the premier international Marxist leftist organization in Latin America. It was founded exactly, well, a little over 30 years ago. In fact, it was founded one month after the big Earth Summit was held in Rio de Janeiro in one of Brazil's two megacities. The following month, it was founded in Sao Paulo, hence the name. And um, it's basically an international coalition of leftist political parties and leftist organizations from every country in Latin America. Spanish-speaking and Portuguese-speaking, okay? And and Brazil is, since it was founded there, and Brazil is also the largest, most powerful, wealthiest country in Latin America, it sort of has, it, it, that's its power base, all right? Uh, right now, as of last count, uh, there are only five countries in all of Latin America whose governments are not uh, controlled by parties, by political parties that belong to the Foro de São Paulo. And this forum, you know, includes you know, open Marxist and communist parties and also left-wing workers' parties and social democratic parties as well as environmentalist organizations and, um, you know, workers' unions, even some ar violent armed insurgents, the FARC guerrillas uh, in, in, in Colombia were one of the founders. And, of course, the party, the coalition that brought Lula da Silva to power again in Brazil is also a very consequential member of the Forgi São Paulo. And their stated goal is the integration of all of Latin America, which integration is one of those words that always, it means in effect setting up some sort of regional government block, okay? And they've got several of those in Latin America already. They, well, they already have some currency unions and trade, you know, this kind of thing. I mean, they've been trying to set up a European Union type of arrangement for some time. Forogi São Paulo's goal is to set up such that would be explicitly Marxist. And in fact, in conversation that you and I are having the other day, apparently uh, some leaked documents showed that their goal is to, in effect, recreate what was lost in Eastern Europe with the old you know, Eastern Bloc countries, the Warsaw Pact and everything um, under the, during the Cold War in South America as yeah. a sort of Marxist counterpoise regional bloc to Canada and the United States and the New World. Yeah, yeah, that was 1997. It was in their documents. That was uh, one of their objectives was to rebuild in Latin America what was lost in Eastern Europe. Uh, and they're making a lot of progress. Now, you know, I think 
12 years ago, um, I did an article for The New American called Resurgent Communism in Latin America, and I interviewed um, Olavo G. Carvalho, who at the time was not very well known. Um, he ended up being uh, top advisor to Jair Bolsonaro, and he actually said that the headquarters of communism in Latin America is in Brazil. And people thought that's crazy, right? You have Cuba, right? Fidel Castro was, of course, one of the founders of the Foro de Sao Paulo, but so was Lula. And then, of course, you had uh, Venezuela, the, the communist dictatorship there that was basically taking oil money. But Lula was a central part in all this. In fact, he got busted in the Operation Lava Jato. Um, they were exposed, basically extorting money from the Brazilian taxpayers, looting Petrobras, the state-backed, uh, state-run oil company, and using that money to finance communist candidates and socialist movements in other countries. Um, You've spent a lot of time in Latin America. You've been in Argentina. Of course, Chile just recently had almost like a mini communist revolution. They even want to get rid of the Constitution. Um, what all is happening, and, and how does Lula fit into this picture, this new supposed president of Brazil, who I am absolutely convinced uh, cheated his way into power? No, I agree with you there. And I think, I mean, bottom line is this. Back in the days of the old Soviet Union, the Soviets could only dream of having a platform as large as Brazil. But now, you know, we see the very real probability that Brazil, which has been cozy with China for some time, is going to become this gargantuan new political and economic platform for the communist Chinese to achieve, frankly, what the Soviets were never able to do. I mean, back in the days of the Soviet Union, they, of course, took over Cuba and Nicaragua. These are little tiny countries. But, uh, you know, Venezuela was a pretty big coup because, of course, Venezuela is a lot of petrodollar, a lot of money. Yeah. And that money has been, has been funneled into, uh, you know, has, has really, um, has really uh, funneled into the coffers of the Foro de São Paulo, along with the drug money coming from Colombia and other places like that. So they have very, very deep pockets. And now with Brazil affording a, a grand new platform for trade and political influence, um, I have to say that the prospects don't look good. Because Brazil is definitely the elephant, you know, the, it's the largest country by far in Latin America. In fact, it's one of the world's largest countries. It's only slightly smaller than the United States in population and land area. And increasingly, the economy has, has, has become more and more con consequential. I mean, of the, of the countries that are sort of almost developed, you know, I have to say Brazil is kind of neck and neck with India in terms of its, uh, of its, of its influence and power. And for it to go Marxist definitively. And I say definitively because this is not the first time Lula has been president of Brazil, as yeah. you know. He was president for seven years back in the early 2000s, 2003 to 2010. At that time, there were a lot of warning calls, oh, well, he's going to do it to Brazil, what Hugo Chavez did, did in Venezuela. Well, that didn't quite work out that way, probably because he was a little more committed to a gradualist approach. But then something happened that he didn't expect. He was dumped out of office and then ended up um, in jail. going to jail for a while. <laughs> Not very long, but he was in jail uh, for, for various corruption charges and so forth. Uh, and so now he's got vengeance on his mind. And in addition to that, he has a nice handy pretext to really crack down and accelerate the process of the Marxification of Brazil because of these protests that occurred last last weekend. Yeah. Very similar to January 6th in the United States, and I have to say their political outcome, the fallout from that may be very similar and, in fact, more severe. And China is just waiting. I mean, China is already a huge trading partner with Brazil and also with Argentina further south. Uh, they have a, you know, a, a quasi-military base in southern Argentina. So China's malign influence is spreading rapidly through Latin America. Yeah. And it ain't just in 
marginal secondary countries like 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 oh, I don't know like a Nicaragua anymore. Yeah, yeah, Chile is just absolutely crawling with yeah. communist Chinese agents. They're putting in huge investments and all the rest of it. Right. Um, there's two major things on my mind, Steve, that I want to talk to you about in the last few minutes that we have here. Um, I, I want to talk about what are the implications of this for Americans and should Americans care? Because I, I think Americans have a tendency of just kind of looking inward and, well, who cares what's happening in South America? But it's important, and we'll get to that. But um, maybe even more important than that, I want to talk about the role of the deep state in bringing all this about. You know, what, uh, We did an episode, I think, at this point a couple years ago maybe on, on this program about the role of the U.S. government in bringing Fidel Castro to power, the Castro regime. You had the New York Times telling us that he was an anti-communist freedom fighter, that he was the George Washington of Latin America, and so on. Of course, Robert Welch was warning that he was a communist. Our ambassador in Havana was warning that he was a communist. Our ambassador in Mexico was warning that he was a communist. But the State Department, the New York Times, insisted that he was this great patriot. Uh, so we put an arms embargo on Fulencio Batista, the, the dictator of Cuba at that time, and basically forced Castro into power. Uh, our ambassador actually testified in Congress under oath that Castro is in power because of the actions of the U.S. State Department, in particular the fourth floor there. That was the name of his book, The Fourth Floor. Um, and this trend has continued. We've seen the Obama administration helping the various movements that make up the Foro de Sao Paulo. We've seen Soros financing these movements, especially in Colombia, where you know, that was like the last man standing when it came to firm anti-Marxism. You know, Brazil had already started getting squishy. And um, now they've got Colombia, too. So uh, talk a little bit about the role of the, the kind of the financiers, the Wall Streeters, the deep staters here in the United States and bringing these totalitarian movements to power in, in Cuba, in China, even in the Soviet Union, as Anthony Sutton talked about. And uh, now in the broader region, of course, Biden has been very supportive of Lula. Uh, what are your thoughts on all that? Well, my thoughts are essentially what, what you were just saying, that this is the same old playbook that we've seen for the last hundred years, I mean, beginning with the creation of the Soviet Union. Um, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say that it was actually created entirely by Wall Street bankers, but it is on record that very soon after, you know, the communists came to power in what became the Soviet Union, Western bankers were there oh, in Moscow before, uh, cutting in, deals. In the book yeah. um, Wall Street and the Bolshevik Revolution by Anthony Sutton of Stanford, mm. um, he's got the documents showing that some of the biggest banks on Wall Street, they were giving millions of dollars to Leon Trotsky and Vladimir Lenin before the revolution uh, for the purpose of overthrowing that government. It's, it's an incredible, incredible story. Um, and he's got the corporate documents and the State Department records. But w why would they do that? Right? The, the narrative is that the communists want to eat the capitalists. Right? We want to steal all their money. <laughs> why would they be financing them? Well, it, it, it would appear that communism has become the global bugbear to be brandished from time to time to create a pretext for a strong reaction in countries like the United States, um, allegedly anti-communist, but in reality ends up uh, empowering leftists in the United States. This seems to be the goal. Now, you know, the Soviet Union was not always wholly under the under the thumb of of of, of the Western insiders. You mm -hmm. know, sometimes it went. It, it can be very hard to control these things. Mm -hmm. uh, but but certainly, its rise, as with the rise of communist China, we we're discussing before we went on air. You know, the rise of uh, the ascent of Chairman Mao, the deliberate uh, cutting off of Chiang Kai Shek. From Western support, literally putting the, an arms embargo on the oh, poor yeah, guy while yeah. he's trying same, to fight the commies. Sure, the same thing that happened in Cuba that you mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. and that has happened many times since, with with the, the the apparent aim of raising up a series of foreign bugbears that it can use to menace the American people and perhaps people of other free free countries as well, to say, "Well, now see, this is why we need to have 
you know, more controls and do this and do that. I mean, it's very clear that, um, uh, for example, during this long, the existence of the Soviet Union, that this was used as a pretext to empower the United Nations and other international yeah. organizations, lest we have a nuclear war, yeah. lest we have international anarchy, as it's styled. So this could be, obviously, if Brazil were to fall definitively into that, that type of a category as a near superpower. Certainly, with respect to the rest of Latin America, it is the, the only superpower south of the Rio Grande, at least in economic terms. Um, that, that could be something else. Well, you know, we're going, we need to have more international control because otherwise, look at, look at these problems that we have, these Marxist countries. You know, certainly Venezuela has provided a certain pretext in that regard as well. Yeah. Um, and then beyond that is the fact that, that ideologically, communism is the ultimate goal of the new world order rights. Total control. Uh, and so over so certainly yeah. these types of regimes also serve as maybe experiments where they can sort of observe well how do we actually do this, you know? I've actually thought about that a lot with North you know? Korea. Like this looks like a giant experiment. Like how sure. far can we push people? It's just crazy. Um, Steve, we're almost out of time, but I, I wanna do I wanna ask you before we go today, um, why should Americans care about all this and is there anything that Americans can do? to try to deal with this. I mean, this is all south of the border, well, what used to be the border. <laughs> um, it used to be, yeah. So, uh, there was um, a border there once. Right, yeah. So how significant is this? And, and is there anything that regular Americans who are you know, just trying to work and feed their families and stuff, is there anything people can do? Well, it's significant for a number of reasons. Number one, I mean, we, <clears throat> particularly pursuant the Monroe Doctrine, I, I think it behooves us to to keep the scourge of Marxism out of the Western Hemisphere to the best of our abilities. Um but it also, anything that empowers the international insiders, and every Marxist regime ever has had that effect, uh, is something that we must oppose. Uh, Brazil is one of the world's largest Christian countries. Mm. Do we really want to see that, uh, you know, it turn, it turn into a, you know, a, a Marxist despotism on that kind of scale? I mean, that would be, if Brazil truly goes, com- you know, full communist, that would be the most significant conquest of global communism since the rise of the People's Republic of China. Yeah, it's uh, crazy times that we live in. Um, I I do think people need to get up to speed on this. And you know what? The U.S. government knows all about it. Uh, I did an article for The New American uh, years ago because uh, an ambassador who had to be unnamed, I think it might have been a former retired ambassador to a major Latin American country is how he was described, wrote a column in the Miami Herald about the photo de Sao Paulo. He said everybody at the State Department knows all about the photo de Sao Paulo. The U.S. government is fully aware of what they're doing. Um, and yet, rather than speaking out, rather than cutting off aid, rather than um, ending the encouragement of this, uh, they seem to be, at least back then, tacitly, now even overtly supporting this. It's um, really, really troubling. As somebody who um, grew up in Latin America. I'm just really bothered by it. Um, Steve, you are executive senior editor of The New American Magazine. People can follow your work, obviously, at thenewamerican.com. If they're not subscribers yet, thenewamerican.com. Get a subscription. Uh, Any final thoughts, final words, any ways for people to follow your work that you want to mention? Not particularly. You said it all, Uh, Alex. Thanks Thanks so much. Thank you for coming. Uh, Thank you for being on the show, Steve. Um, All right, folks, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Behind the Deep State. I'm your host, Alex Newman, senior editor at The New American Magazine. Until next time, God bless you all. As a lumberjack, my job is pretty straightforward. I see the wood, I chop the wood. We even hear crazy ideas on how kids should learn. Visit thenewamerican.com for real news you can trust.